Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 10 of Musicians for Mental Health. On this podcast, we speak with musicians about mental health openly and honestly without the veil of lyrics. We are not mental health professionals. We are not licensed therapists or counselors. We are people who have had our own personal experiences with mental health and want to shed light on these topics. On this episode, I have Madison Olds, who is a singer-songwriter from Canada. If you've listened to my other podcast, You Make the Scene, you've possibly heard uh, me talk to her before. Um, It was really important for Maddie and I to have this discussion, and I think it's one that is going to be relevant to virtually everyone. Um, So I definitely want you guys to be sharing this episode. um, And, you know, hopefully there's a lot of information in here that you guys can kind of take away and and put into your own uh, life and your own circle of friends and family. Um, We talk about several things throughout this conversation, but the primary focus for this episode is surviving the suicide of a loved one. Um, Both Maddie and I have lost people that are very, very close to us, and, you know, we understand how difficult that can be and wanted to discuss some of these things. Um, We also discussed at pretty good length um, a variety of other topics that tie into this, such as the kind of ripple effect that suicide has and how, you know, a lot of people see it as a selfish act and and things like that and how expansive um, that suicide feeling, that suicide effect uh, can impact. Um, We talked about a lot more as well, but I don't want to you know, sit here in the intro and and tell you everything that we talked about in this episode and, you know, take away from our conversation. So uh, it is a little bit longer than a normal episode, but it is considerably shorter than some of the previous episodes. So um, please stick around for the whole thing. I think, again, that this information is going to be super relevant and impactful to virtually everyone, um, because I think whether you want to admit it or not, um, you've likely lost someone in your life due to due to suicide. So, without any further introduction, here's my conversation with Madison Olds. Awesome, awesome. So, uh, to kick things off, Maddie, let's do the the standard intro. Um, Amazing. Since- a little bit like you know the first time that we talked but um basically just tell fans kind of our listeners who you know who you are and kind of what you do amazing okay here i'm just pulling out some some of my notes as well yeah. Yeah. oh sorry did you just give the intro i was reading it <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i'm so terrible look at me i'm just already buggered this up i had some some little notes and i just want to make sure i've uh okay okay so i'm so sorry no you're totally fine we'll, we'll rewind we'll take two on it uh, okay thank you so 
the uh, kind of standard opening. Who are you? Kind of what do you do? And, and why are we talking today? Well, I'm super, super honored to be here with you today. I'm Madison Olds. I'm a Canadian singer-songwriter. And I feel like I'm even more honored to be talking with you today about mental health. And specifically, I actually just learned this term, suicide survivor. Um, I kept seeing it uh, when you go through the process of losing somebody to suicide. And people would say, oh, you're a suicide survivor. And maybe when it first happened, I thought, that's not me. Like, I, I'm not somebody that loses another person to suicide. I'm not a survivor. I'm just, you know, I had an unfortunate situation. Right. But it's they say the pain of losing somebody to suicide is like nothing else and that you really are a survivor and uh, I was just two days ago reading a little bit more about it and I think that it's something that we need to talk about that those that are left behind it it really is uh, you're surviving yeah for sure and you know I as we kind of originally started talking about it I think the like subject line I, th I wanted to put on the episode was um, the ripple effect of suicide and oh. you know, how it affects so many people around them. And like, we obviously are gonna get pretty deep into some of this stuff. And like, I don't wanna say a suicide victim or someone that, that commits suicide doesn't think about these things, because they do. But I don't think the gravity of the loss around them is fully understood yeah well and and I know it's so different with each situation as well and I know in my case Elizabeth uh, the friend that I lost this summer she was in a bit of a different mental state they had her on a cocktail of antipsychotic meds and uh, a lot of people said that it wasn't even her at the end so I'm sure when she made that decision she it wasn't her in that moment making that decision. If it was her, she would have thought about, you know, those things. And I, I think you have to be so strong to make that decision on your own as well. And probably the last thing you're thinking about is anybody anyway. You're just right. thinking about how can I make myself feel better than I'm feeling right now. And it, if you had asked me seven months ago, I would have said, no, that's, you know, the most selfish thing anybody could do. I'm so mad. Like, why could you do that? Um, but in my own healing, I knew that was her only way to heal as well, unfortunately. Yeah. And, you know, I lost my brother a little over three years ago yeah. to suicide. And we've talked about that a little bit. And I'm, I'm in the same boat as you where... You know, so many people from the outside look at it and say, oh, you know, I'd never expected them to be that person or, you know, they just didn't seem the type. And like the first thing I want to say about that is there is no type when it comes to, to mental health. It yeah. affects everyone. Um, but number two, you know, like on the selfish topic, that's exactly how I felt, you know, when my brother took his life was initially that it was selfish and that you know, he could have called me, he could have done this, he could have done that. And then, like you said, I took that step back and I, I really started thinking about it. And I'm like, you know, he'd, he'd been hurting as long as I can remember. Uh, you know, our whole childhood, I can remember him battling stuff. So, only.
Uh-oh, hold on. Oh no. Give me a sec. I've lost you. <laughs> Hold on, <laughs> my my Wi-Fi. <laughs> okay, we're okay. Let me see. <laughs> the immediate zoom. You and I. The yeah, immediate no, Zoom panic where you're like, "Oh no, my Wi-Fi is such an important part." <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think I think I'm out. <laughs> okay, so uh, no, you know, like initially you think it it is selfish and everything, and for me with my brother, I remember him battling and hurting basically our whole childhood as well into his adult life and you know there is that anger like you said like how could they do this and and it's almost this is going to sound a little bit harsh i think but it's selfishness on our part that how could they do this to me and we don't take that step back and look at it and go they didn't do this to me they've they've been hurting and this was the solution to their pain in that moment. Yeah. Obviously, we don't condone it. We don't want anyone to commit suicide. But I think when you start to to understand it a little bit more, there's a beauty and a comfort in knowing that they're not in that position anymore. Yeah. And back to the selfish on your part thing. I mean, I think a big feeling I went through was having this like hero complex. Like I, if I had have done this, I could have saved you. And how, you know, silly of me to think that it was something that I didn't do that caused, you know, her to not want to be here anymore. And I think my biggest regret is not knowing more about mental health. You know, there when people say there's a stigma around it, I, I think people just say that because that's what everybody else says, but there really is. I think there's fear with not understanding what actually comes with mental health. I think um, because there's no right answer, it's uncharted territory. You never know what you're going to get. And that was a really big part of my relationship with Elizabeth when she started to become uh, a little bit more depressed and a little bit more unwell was that I just didn't understand it and I became so scared because I didn't. And uh, yeah, to think that <laughs> big heroic loving Maddie could have come in and saved her is is another part of not understanding it. You know, like there are so many internal demons that they're, they're trying to deal with that we'll never, never understand. And the other one I, uh, I don't love to hear is, oh, I mean, I would never do that. And I'm sure at some point she felt that way too, but you never know what's going to come and change that for you. Yeah. And, you know, I, I want people to, to really take that in that, you know, Hollywood has done an incredible disservice to mental health. Yeah. A, they've kind of demonized it when it comes to the portrayal of it. And then B, given that, that hero complex to a lot of people, because in the movies, or in a TV show, you know, the best friend comes in and, you know, they're able to stop them and they can save the day. Yeah. That may happen 1% of the time. It is not going to happen 99% of the time. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Or or the dream job or the love interest or, you know, all those things. And and those ran through my head too um, as we were 
I think when you when you lose someone, you immediately go into like either anger or guilt. And then and then when you have time to heal, you start to realize, oh, well, you know, when I look back to a time when you were well, you know, you did those to me. So that that's just the nature of a friendship. So I think it's tough growing up when you're kids and you spend all your time together and then one person gets a partner and then you kind of become like just yeah. the friend, the back burner. And we, we would do it to each other for years when you'd get into a new relationship and that became the new interest and you'd look at your friend and you'd be like, you go girl, you got this. But then I started to feel guilt that when she wasn't well and I was building a relationship with my partner, I was letting her down. But only in the last couple months, I've started to come around that it was just sometimes you have to develop your relationship with your partner and ha having called her every single day, every hour wouldn't have changed how she was feeling. Right. So, Right. And yeah. I think it's important for you to hear, and I think you know this as well, but for people to hear that it's not your fault, you know, like yeah. building these external relationships outside of, you know, lifelong friends or whoever, that is not a negative thing. You know, that's yeah. not something that I think so often people you get that abandonment feeling, right? Like, uh, you know, they're, they're off, they're having fun with their partner. They're doing these great things. And, and I'm just here, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, like, like you said, if roles are reversed, it's, it's not really any different. So I think it's about nurturing those friendships and relationships the best you can on both sides. Yeah. But at the same time, like, you know, you and I talked about this on Instagram, um, the importance of not putting the guilt on yourself. That's so hard, though. <laughs> it is the worst. <laughs> yeah, there there are so many times even now where you have the down day and you're like, oh, my gosh, maybe I could have. And, and, and I know that uh, I never take for granted somebody who reaches out to me and says, hey, like, I feel like I'm struggling with something. I will never be like, oh, well, you know, if I hadn't reached out to her, I probably wouldn't have saved her anyway. So you're on your, I'm like, no, oh my God, talk to me. I'm yeah. here, I'm your friend. But I think it's a way of coping with the fact that I can't change the past. And in all honesty, I think if she wanted to make that decision, she was one of those beautifully stubborn, strong-willed women that she was probably gonna do it anyway. But the, I think, you know, maybe earlier on in somebody's mental health journey and their own recovery, there might be a chance to help them and at least give them an ear. You never know what could or couldn't help right. someone. Yeah, and I think it's important, you know, I've, I've talked a lot about on both podcasts, really, but in general about the importance of not self-diagnosing, um, you know, it because of the society we live in now and the way that words get thrown around, it's so easy for someone to just say, oh, I'm depressed. But but are you yeah. actually, you know, or I have anxiety. <clears throat> Do you actually? And I don't mean that to downplay it at all, but it's okay to seek professional help because these are things that people specialize in. You know, yeah. there, there's a reason that therapists go to school for like 10 years to become a licensed counselor in the U.S. Like, you may have depression that may absolutely be true but there's a difference between you know trauma-born depression and chemical imbalance depression oh totally they're, they're treated differently so knowing the right 
kind of diagnosis, I guess, is super important, especially early on, because then you learn the right tools to your point to, you know, okay, I need to reach out when I hit this point and this is what I need to do to, to fix these things. And, you know, that's not to say that Elizabeth or my brother Dusty, that, you know, either of them were weaker for not seeking the help at the right time or whatever. It, it's that fucking stigma, you know, it's so hard for people to say, I have a problem and I need to find help. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, even with the way that the, like the hospitals are set up, when you go to visit someone who's, you know, struggling with cancer or got in a car accident, you go to visit them in the hospital. It's a completely different environment than when you go to visit somebody in um, a ward where, you know, they're watched all the time. They're treated like a criminal versus somebody who is actually there to get better. And I think um, it's not just, you know, you and me, normal people who are talking about mental health. I think it's the medical system too, that has a stigma. And I think that they're fearful of people who are unwell. And I'm sure that they see things all the time that we will never understand, but there really is um, this energy when you walk into a ward that is just, it's so terrible. My heart breaks for everybody that's put there or, or has decided to go there to heal. And there's no way that you can heal in a space like that. Yeah, it, it's, it compounds the, the stigma and the yeah. thoughts that you already had. Like, obviously, I, I want this to be very, very clear to anyone listening to this. The amount of courage and bravery it takes to say, I need help and go to oh. a mental health facility is incredible. So that in itself is a victory. And I want people to, to take that as a victory. Unfortunately, like you, to your point, sometimes when you're in that, that ward, you're not treated as as much as a human as you are experiment you know something yeah something's wrong we're gonna we'll try this and if that doesn't work we'll try this and you know it's i understand that you know everybody's different different medications react differently to different people things like that but it's it's just got to be so hard for anyone that goes into a facility like that to be kind of almost passed around yeah you know just kind of well we don't know how to fix you so we're just gonna slap a bunch of band-aids on and see what one works yeah or transfer you to a different facility in a different city maybe they know and yeah i i think it doesn't help when you're already feeling the way you're feeling to then feel like a problem to the medical system which i think it, it happens all the time and I've unfortunately seen so many friends go in and out of the same facility and I just can't imagine that coming out feels better than when you went in because it, it, it is not a, a space where you go to heal. It's a space where you go to overthink about the reason why you're in there. Yeah. And you know, you being from Canada, me being from the U S like as much as our healthcare systems are very, very, very different they are very much the same, especially in the mental health field. Like, Oh yeah. It's, it's insane to me that like, obviously there's a reason that we say doctors practice medicine because it's not totally, it's not a cut and dry thing, but at the same time, it, it blows my mind that we haven't figured out better ways to diagnose and to treat. Yeah. Yeah. I, 
I wonder if they ever will. I mean, like, it's so hard to to talk to someone who's struggling with something in their head and right. and to be able to properly share how they're feeling. I I mean, maybe the best advice is to to listen. I know for Elizabeth, she had been on and off medication for a couple of years and it wasn't until about a couple of weeks before she took her life that she felt like her healthcare professional that she was working with at that time started to listen to her and that they were getting her on a good um, regime for medication that was starting to bring her back to what felt like normal. But that took years, like years, and not everybody can make it that long. So no, and you know, it, it's really tough too because I'm going to mess up the stat. So give me one second. I'm going to pull up the actual <laughs> stat because I want to make sure I get it right. Science. Um, We're all yeah. about that's the exact <laughs> well, numbers. You know, per uh, NAMI, the National Alliance for Mental Health, um, I'm going to pull it up first because I don't want to get it wrong. Um, <laughs> it is, I want to say it's seven years from the time that a trauma happens to someone to the time that they go seek help. So they've already spent seven years feeling helpless about this thing. And then it takes years to figure out how, you know, how we're going to treat this, what we're going to do to, to try to, to fix these problems. And it's, you know, it's really scary that it takes yeah. that long to figure things out. Oh, and seven years is a long time for something to manifest into something bigger and make you feel worse and eat you up inside. And I was wrong. I'm glad I looked it up. It's 11 oh, years. 11. Oh, oh my 11 gosh. Years. From That's crazy. It's the average delay from uh, symptom onset of depression, anxiety, whatever, until treatment is 11 years. And then, like you said, to have them two, three, four years with a medical professional and they don't know how to fix it or compensate it or whatever. So now you're 15 years into battling this thing. You know, time is not on, on mental health side. No, I think that's why so many people, you know, do wait for, for other things. I know like a lot of um, rape victims come out years later, but it takes almost five years to try to reconcile what has happened to you as well and um you never ever know what somebody's going through and how long that trauma is going to take to even reconcile with yourself that it's happened to you let alone you know trying to figure out the process of healing and recovering or understanding so yeah that's crazy 11 years 11 years and like somebody could be dealing with that and, you know, another super scary stat is that suicide is the lead of death in the age group of 10 to 34. Oh, my so gosh. 10-year-olds committing suicide, you know, oh. which is terrible in itself. But if the average is 11 years, they've not even truly reconciled and, and figured out that they need treatment yet. You know, it's, yeah. it's incredibly dangerous and such a slippery slope that you know i don't want to put any onus on anyone else but it is our responsibility as a society to look for these warning signs in yeah and, and reach out and say you know hey i've noticed you know your energy's a little off lately is everything okay you know like you want to go hang out being proactive or like 
it could be those little things that yeah not necessarily fixes someone but helps them understand okay i am wanted i'm not a yeah. burden you know and you know i know for a fact my brother and i'm sure elizabeth kind of the same is like we talked about mental health when when it got really heavy but yeah. it was always the hey man i don't want to be a burden or i hate to drop this on you or whatever and it's like oh yeah you're you're not a fucking burden and i just yeah. wish more people understood that oh yeah i remember i remember liz saying that and i remember a couple christmases ago there were attempts and she ended up at the facility at our, our hospital and that's when i was first introduced to what a uh, they call it one south what the ward looked like for um mental health and I just remember feeling like I wanted to scoop her in a blanket and take her home and say, you need to get out of here because this is not going to help you. And I remember her crying and just saying, I feel so bad that you're here. And I, I just, this is the last place I wanted to spend my time with you. And I just remember feeling grateful that I was the one that she called. <laughs> yeah. But, and, you know, I think that's important to, for people to understand, you know, I'm, I'm very hopeful that people that listen to this episode are i'm hopeful that they've never lost someone but at the same time i'm hopeful that it is the people that have so that they start hearing some of this that you know like you just said with elizabeth her apologizing to you that you had to come see her in a hospital like that oh no i lost you There it is. Okay. There you go. Went out that time. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> but no, you know, for mentally unhealthy people, I want I want others to understand, you know, and I include myself in the mentally unhealthy. I've battled depression and anxiety basically my whole life. What I want people to really understand is, you know, we do often feel like we have inconvenienced other people with our problems. And I think a lot of times, you know, unfortunately the suicide comes as a answer to those problems i know for my brother i i can say wholeheartedly that his thought process was i am a problem to these people in my life and i don't want to be a problem anymore and the only way to fix it is for me to go away which obviously is a thousand percent untrue totally a million percent untrue but i i can guarantee that's the thought process that went through his head you know, and I think that's the thought process for a lot of people that make attempts or yeah, you know, I think unfortunately so. are successful with it. Um, and it's just, it's, it's unsettling as, you know, we sit here having lost people close to us to think that, you know, there's millions of people out there that are in the same boat as us or that, you know, have attempted and things like that. And, the fact that resources aren't readily available yeah oh yeah and and i think there's so much like misinformation online too i mean bless tiktok it it's a really great tool in some ways in other ways i think it spreads things that are not true at all and and um i think the biggest thing people can do is properly educate yourself on how to help somebody who is struggling with mental health, how to properly reach out to them and to talk to them 
Um, I know in Canada, we have Crisis Service Canada. And if you reach out, there's like um, ways that you can actually get involved. You can be on a phone line and you can go through the training process to actually help somebody who is feeling like they are wanting to take their life. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that I've been, you know, wanting to do in the next year. I think it's amazing to learn how to talk to people that way. I also, yeah, I mean, being proactive and reaching out to your friend who hasn't posted in a week and you're like, hey, you know, that's not like you, but it is, it is hard. And as much information as you can have, there's also going to be someone who has never been documented and their case is going to be so different. And every tactic you've used on someone else is just not going to work. And that's, that's the tough part. And and uh, for anybody who feels like they're a burden and is listening right now, I want you to know that you are absolutely fucking not. <laughs> you call me, you call my mom, you call anybody. I don't need to know you, but you message me and I will sit on the phone as long as you want. Uh, because if I could tell Liz one thing, uh, it was more of a burden talking at her eulogy than it was listening to her on the phone. Yeah. Yeah. More. You know, it's, it's something, again, hopefully most people never have to deal with, but the impact that we go through, and by we, I just mean anyone affected by it, that we go through, like you said, having to deliver that eulogy or you know, meet up with friends that maybe you haven't met up with in a while under circumstances or family and things like that, you know, um, not to totally put on blast, but I have an uncle, my brother passed, that, you know, oh, I just never thought he was the type, you know, blah, 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 like, and I'm like, you know, we're family, like, how dissociated are you that you never saw that, that he was depressed or whatever, and like, I don't blame him at all for any of it that happened, obviously, but it, it just makes for some very hard conversations, you know, I had to, to pull my uncle aside and be like, look, here's five examples of times where these things happened or whatever and he's like yeah I, I had no idea and not to be rude about it but I, I said you know did you not know because you never thought to ask you know and it yeah it's an aggressive way to put it but it, you know it is kind of the the fact a lot of times the people that come in after the fact and say oh you know i I didn't expect them to do that or I never saw them as that type, but how much effort were you putting in? You know, yeah. have you been involved? Um, and I don't want anyone necessarily to feel bad about it, but I want you to evaluate maybe those relationships that you have and say, am I invested enough? You know, do I do the right things to the people that I do care about deeply, you know? And yeah. again, it, may or may not change anything you know i don't want to put that you know complex in anyone but um i think it's important though because it could be the trigger for someone to find help is when i didn't know that person could see that i was hurting yeah if that person can see that i'm hurting maybe i do need some extra help yeah yeah i think there's also like a bit of a in denial maybe if you can convince yourself that you never thought it would have happened like maybe it's a way of coping with the fact that you did see the signs and you didn't do something about it you didn't reach out right you know and and like that comes down to a selfish trying to make yourself feel better about the situation but I think that that 
that happens a lot too. I mean, when it first happened to Liz, that was my response. I was like, I never thought, I never thought this would happen. She was the most beautiful, full, happy, laughter filled person I had ever known because that's what I wanted to remember about her. But then those things creep in of, yeah, wow, she did have trauma. She did have this happen. She had, you know, things that hurt her. She had those manic episodes. She had the, you know, the depressive episodes. But it, I think it, for me, it was definitely a coping mechanism to be like, okay, if I, if I truly believe I didn't think she was going to do it, then I can't blame myself. But yeah, obviously I did. Because <laughs> those are the, the steps of losing someone yeah. to suicide. Yeah, well, and grief in general, right? I mean, you have yeah. your your whatever it is, the five steps of, of grief. But um, I think within that specifically, I th- Are we back? Yep. Okay. Um, so... <laughs> I, I want people to, to realize, you know, oftentimes it's easy to see the warning signs too late. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty is a saying for a reason. Um, yeah. But, you know, I'm not saying sit down tonight and evaluate every one of your relationships because that's going to be fucking heavy. But, you know, we all know those people in our friend groups that we should be like, would a text hurt? You know, could I... Yeah. But I just maybe say, hey, what's up, and see how they're doing tonight. You know, we definitely have those people in our lives. Oh, yeah. And I think I went to that overcorrective side when I lost Liz. I reached out to everybody. Every person I thought was uh, feeling low, was that, you know, somebody I knew struggled in the past with depression. And, you know, that's also unhealthy as well. Like, you're living on this eggshell that you're worried is going to crumble because the next person is going to take their life and really that's a terrible way to think but you're right maybe when you're sitting down to have a glass of wine or you're watching Bob's Burgers and it's (laughs) the credits are rolling up you could be like hey I should text this person that I I care about and I want them to know yeah Yeah, for sure and you know speaking of Bob's Burgers you can send awesome (laughs) memes like it's November 1st why is right? the tree up? <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about the Bob's Burger memes. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. It, it, I think I think that's an important thing too is to know know those bonding techniques with your friends and your support circle. Like, you know, I've I've got certain friends that we just send each other music and I can literally tell what type of mood my buddy is in by what music he sends me. And it, like, never fails. He'll send me a couple songs, and I'm like, okay. You know, he's doing good, whatever. Like, we're we're on the same level, whatever. (laughs) And then occasionally he'll send me, like, two songs back-to-back that are a little darker than what... A little sad. (laughs) Yeah, a little on the dark side for what we normally talk about. And I'm like, how things go, man? He's like, ah, just been a rough day or whatever, you know? Yeah. That's how we communicate. And sometimes it's memes and self-deprecating humor and all sorts of stuff um so you know just be conscious of those interactions because you know again it's easy to look back and say hmm maybe when they sent me this or whatever that that wasn't just a normal day Um, yeah and i think often people mistake i don't know if you had this with liz i didn't have it with my brother 
under the circumstances. But a lot of times people say, oh, I didn't expect them to commit suicide. They, they just seem so happy lately and they were doing this and they were doing that. And a lot of times what they've found is that that's actually a sign in, in itself because they've kind of come to terms with the, they're going to do this thing. They've yeah. maybe already made that plan. And so it's important to realize that I don't want to say everybody that's happy is on the verge because they're not. <laughs> but if someone swings drastically a very low point to, hey, everything's perfect. And yeah. Sunshines and rainbows. Like, mm, is it? Like, what's yeah. Going on? Well, that's what happened. Um, she unfortunately dabbled in a little bit of cocaine and it like totally threw off her psychoses her brain chemical was everywhere um and then in january it was just like this crazy high she was on a five-month high of the world's great i'm gonna buy teslas i'm gonna be a superstar you know chasing my dream i'm awesome she even created an alter ego went through five different hospitals five different doctors five different diagnoses and then she just went quiet the last I actually heard from her was April 25th. We had reached out. She said, I'm going to a family friend's farm to heal. I want some alone time. I'm like, wow, this is the first time I'm talking to you in almost a year. This sounds like you. This is amazing. I'm so excited for this journey. And then I got a call uh, about five weeks later. And yeah, yeah. so I think I think a lot of people who have already made that decision and they don't want somebody to change their mind because I there were a million people and I'm not exaggerating a million people in Elizabeth's life that would have fought to keep her around. I think she knew that. I think she pulled away because she didn't want to be saved. Uh, and this is all me speculating. I mean, I'm no <laughs> I'm no professional. This is probably me trying to cope with it as well. But when I talk to people, you know, April 25th was the last day she talked to a lot of people. And um, I, yeah, I think a lot of people pull away or a lot of people mask because they have made that decision. I, I've read a lot about it and uh, it's like making a checklist for the day. I'm gonna mm -hmm. put away my clothes. I'm gonna do my laundry. I'm gonna vacuum, get a glass of water. I'm gonna take my life. And it's just, it's a normal day yeah. for them when that, when that decision has already brought peace. Yeah, you know? and you, you made the, comment there that it's a mask and I actually started using the term I don't know about a year ago of the Robin Williams mask you know mm -hmm. these happy-go-lucky people that just always trying to make everybody else feel good and laugh and have a great time and on the inside they are just crumbling yeah and you don't see it because that's not the mask that they let you see you know and I I use Robin Williams as the the example because nobody if you ask anyone oh yeah and mrs doubtfire he was the genie he was you know all these super happy roles and just always laughing and amazing comedian and then it's like yeah and then he committed suicide and it's like but if if anybody was a poster child of happy and didn't yeah have any reason to it was robin williams and i use chester a lot from lincoln park you know and I just had this conversation with someone on the other podcast that in hindsight, their last album, if you actually like read the song titles and listen to the lyrics, it's a suicide note, you know, like he has a song on there. 
heavy where he says, I didn't mean to let my mind get so fucking messy. When did all this get so heavy? Like, okay. So you already know that. And then there's, there's just so much within it, you know, talking about, um, more light, not, or who would care if one more light was out? I do. It's like, it's hard to believe that, you know, Lincoln Park is so well known. And you've got the lead singer front man that is just torn up inside. Um, oh, yeah. And, you know, his, his wife, Talinda, had shared a, a picture after he had passed. And it was like three or four days before he had passed um, that this picture was taken. And it's him on the beach with his kids and her happy, smiling, never would have assumed anything was wrong. And, you know, um, going back to the, that song list, I had to pull it up. He's got Nobody Can Save Me, um, Sorry For songs are just so impactful yeah um, and i think the reason that i bring that up with this is it's those sorts of things too you know if if you have artist friends and they're starting to title song a little different than normal or whatever it's like okay you can speak to this especially as an artist music is a therapy and <laughs> when you put your life into these songs like there are times where you can hear a song that you've written and go, hmm, I think I know where Maddie was at in her mind. That <laughs> <way."> <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> but, but I think it's important too, because, you know, again, you can speak. Using art as a therapy is sometimes also a little bit of a cry for help. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. You can really see into someone's head. And that definitely comes back around to the whole seeing signs and not wanting them to be signs, maybe, you know, with, yeah. with uh, Chester. And I know there was that one movie with uh, Robin Williams just before. I think it was The Angriest Man in Brooklyn. Yeah. I never actually ended up seeing it, but I heard it. It, it kind of sat funny with a lot of people. And, and you know, maybe there were, there were things people just didn't want to see because they would rather them be the big, happy superstars that made them forget about their own woes. But that also kind of comes back around to the stigma as well. Like not all depression and sadness and suicide looks the same. Sometimes it looks like a happy person enjoying life, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and it's, it's really hard. Yeah. And that's what, that's exactly what I was getting ready to say. It's really hard because it's like you said, you don't want to live on this eggshell where you're not sure, should I ask this person about this or, you know, where, where do we go for this? But at the same time, like, if we would normalize having these conversations on a regular basis anyway, it's yeah. not so bad to just reach out and be like, hey, Maddie, how are things going today? Yeah. And, you know, it, even if, like, I can say as someone that has battled depression virtually my whole life, as long as I can remember, um, which isn't that long. And they, they say that maybe tied to depression too, that memory loss is a thing, but, <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, like legitimately, I, I can tell you like the oftentimes if someone would have reached out to me, I wouldn't have been upset. Would I have probably tried to hide? Maybe, but the, the odds of someone being like, why are you fucking asking me why, if I'm okay or whatever, pretty slim. So yeah. So low. And if they do, 
that's probably the warning sign that you're looking for that, okay, uh, they got really offensive about that or defensive about that. Like, maybe they do need more help or maybe, yeah. you know, maybe I need to get someone else to ask them that's a little closer. Yeah, someone closer. Um, I don't know. It, it's tough. And, you know, I, I want to go back to kind of where we were talking about this this ripple effect and you know you made the point that elizabeth had a million people around that would absolutely still love for her to be here and my brother is the the exact same way and you know he was one of those guys that would give you the shirt off his back you know just to make sure that you were warm and whatever like he could have five dollars to his name but if you needed a hamburger he's gonna buy you a hamburger you know um and I think it's important that we, we mention this again, that it's, it truly is throwing a rock into a still pond. And that ripple, you don't understand how big it is until they're gone. Yeah. Yeah, you said it. You absolutely said it best. There's no way of saying how it's going to affect, who it's going to affect. It's, you know, it's, it's terrible. Oh, I'm sad now. <laughs> you really got me in the feels with that one. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, let's try to bring it up a little bit. So <laughs> it, it's a heavy topic. And, you know, like my friend told me earlier and I told you, like, she said, like, how do you how do you have these conversations and not come out at the end feeling awful? And I said, first off, Maddie's awesome and her and I both like to joke and laugh. So <laughs> yes. I think we'll be okay. But uh, number two, I said, you know, I, I think it's, for me, it's the importance of having these conversations. Yeah. Because nobody is. And my hope is that even one person listens to this and goes, okay, I have a little bit more. Or, you know what, it's time for me to reach out and ask for, for help on this. Yeah. Yeah. And I think... Um people are afraid to talk about it or even say the word suicide. Like, I think if you say it, it becomes real and it's a part of your life, but like, wake up, it's in everybody's life. You have people who don't want to be here anymore. Get your head out of your ass and educate yourself on how to help them. And I think, you know, the more you talk about it, the easier it is. It's a, it's a great way. Oh, can you hear me? Did I lose you? Oh no. I've lost you again. I'll wait. I'll do the worm until you come back. Do the worm until you come back. Oh, there we go. Okay. <laughs> um, where, where was I? Uh, I did the worm too many times that I've lost my train of thought. But I think, you know, like people are afraid to say the word suicide and people are afraid to talk about it. And talking about it makes it easier. The more you talk, the more you you realize, you know, it's... It's just like getting sick and going to the hospital for a broken arm. It's, I broke an arm, I broke my arm. I, you know, had a ruptured spleen. I was suicidal. All those things need to be taken seriously and they all need to be talked about just as uh, openly and honestly because, you know, no two injuries look the same, whether it's on the inside or on the outside. Yeah. I'm so glad you used a broken arm because that's the one that I use all the time. <laughs> you know, like, so think about it though, you know, somebody breaks their arm, you can see that obviously with a cast and everything. Yeah. And I, I tell people all the time, like, if you saw someone struggling to carry their groceries 
with a broken arm, you're probably going to ask them if they need help or, you know, is there something I can do for you, whatever. And depression, anxiety, whatever is very much the same way. Like, there's so much emotional baggage or trauma in their head. Like, just asking, is there is there something I can do for you? And it yeah. may be as simple as, look, I just don't want to be alone tonight for dinner. Can we go out to eat or, you know, can we go watch a movie or whatever? Yeah. Oftentimes is not... I'm going to say the vast majority of the time, and that may be a bold statement, but the vast majority of the time, they are not looking for you to fix them, just like they wouldn't look to you to fix their broken arm. They're going to look to yeah. a doctor for that. But to be able to say, hey, this shit's heavy right now. Can you help take the load off for a minute? Yeah. That's all that they want. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And it's also the same with you don't go to the doctor and expect a pill or an injection to fix your broken arm overnight. Right. It takes time. Like it really does take time when something isn't uh, right in your body. And I think we need to be just as compassionate to those that are struggling with mental health. Like it, that 11 years sucks that it's 11 years. And I really wish we can, as a society, bring that gap a lot, you know, smaller. Um, but we also need to be a bit compassionate that it isn't going to be fixed overnight, that it might take a bit of time, like a couple months, a couple of years to get the right, you know, Oh, can you hear me? Oh no. I'll do Egyptian dance till you come back this time. Walk like an Egyptian. Okay. I'm back. <laughs> I'm going to switch networks because okay. I have Starlink now and it works great most of the time. Most of the time. I'm going to switch networks real fast here and see if this doesn't make some of this. All right. Um, yeah, and like on the, I, I do want to touch on the, uh, is it going to connect to that or not? Nope, we're going to do this one. Okay. Luckily, I've got some networks around me that I can steal from. You're a pro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. All that matters. Yeah, the uh, the All stigma right. of, of um, trying to heal right away is we, we don't expect that with people who have physical injuries. So we definitely shouldn't expect it for people who have mental injuries as well. Yeah, yeah. And... So what I wanted to touch on with that is, A, I'm glad you started using the term mental injury. Uh, I just recently heard that one myself, and I like it. Like, mental illness is easy to say because that's what we've been taught and told forever. Yeah. But it really is a mental injury, and if we start looking at it as an injury versus a sickness, I understand an injury needs time to heal. Sickness can be terminal, and it shouldn't be. Yeah. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. That's like entirely. Yeah. Um, back to the, the coping time, you know, like you said, 11 years is a entirely too fucking long. Um, and that's not going to come down. Hello. Can you hear me? There I am. 
I can hear it. Hang on. Fill my and see if that fixes my bandwidth. Okay. I can hear you now. Yes. Okay. Okay. All right. We'll we'll just do the rest with my video turned off. Perfect. (laughs) Um, That's okay. (laughs) So, (laughs) so you know, let's say in a perfect world, it's only eleven months instead of eleven years from the time someone experiences this trauma to start seeking help. Like, obviously, there's still going to be some suicide and whatnot, but that if we could cut that down that 11 years down yeah the ease that people would have saying hey this thing happened and i need to deal with it now versus you know 11 years you've you've coped with it and i don't mean that to sound so mean but at 11 years you've you've bottled it up you've put it in this little back corner of your mind you're not truly dealing with it yeah. I know. Can you hear me? Uh-oh. Okay, here, I'm going to turn off my video. Let's see if that helps. How about now? Can you hear me? Uh, a little bit, a little bit. It's coming in and out. I, I have faith. I turn off my video. I'm pulling to you. I, I'm pulling the imaginary internet cord. It's good. <laughs> um, can, you can hear me. You know. Uh, oh. Yep, I got. Yeah. Okay. I think, you know, it'd be crazy to see the eleven years be time of healing versus time of bottling up. To I think we'd see a huge change in the way we talk about mental health, the way that mental health is, you know, healed and recovered, the statistics would probably change. I know it's a beautiful pipe dream, but it's really nice to think about. Yeah. And I mean, we're not going to get there tomorrow, you know, to no. your point. It's, it's not going to be an overnight <laughs> thing, but if, if even in the next five, 10 years, we could cut it down by a year or two, that people are seeking help in, you know, seven years, nine years instead, like, what does that do to those numbers in itself? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I know even when I hold on to something that's bothering me for a week versus letting it go right away, how much it changes. (laughs) My physical health, I mean, like, when you hold on to something like that, it can really affect you physically, and you can start to deteriorate from the inside out. So I cannot imagine what 11 years can do to somebody on the inside. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, I took a drink of water and it went down long too. Um, oh, no, you're all good. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you had some well, so if on some of them, by all means, we don't have to. But um, what are some things that you, you kind of wrote down that you're wanting people to know or, you know, kind of interested in, in spreading knowledge on? I think the biggest one, I mean, we kind of talked, uh, touched on it is actually reaching out to, um, people in your local community, like organizations that have the information to help you. I mean, we're all keyboard heroes. We all know how to look up WebMD and we know the signs and symptoms from Google, but I think actually 
reaching out to professionals and you know people who know what they're doing to get more information on how to help how to get involved how to um properly talk to somebody I think that's super important and a lot of us are afraid to make that step because again it it makes it real it makes it part of our life like how could I a person who doesn't struggle you know quite to that extent with mental health have you know suicide be involved in my life but that's like such a ridiculous thing to to think about and um I think people need to just do it they need to contact they need to reach out they need to educate themselves on uh, how they can help yeah for sure and at least in the the U.S. one of the big ones is going to be uh NAMI who I mentioned earlier Mm -hmm. the National Alliance of Mental Health um and I'm, I'm using the wrong term. It's NAMI is right, but it's the National, uh, what do they call themselves? National Alliance on Mental Illness. Um, but they have like local chapters. So like I'm in Indiana, there's um, virtually every major city has one. So Indianapolis, Chicago, things like that. So you can get, you know, at least within your state. Um, but oftentimes there's, you know, smaller local chapters to your point yeah. as well. And I think it's important as well, not only not only for like the the training side of it, which is obviously super important because some of those organizations do offer like basic counseling courses and things like that, um, but also to see how close to home it is a lot of times. Like a lot totally. of people, I think, to your point, you know, it's it's not in my life. You know, I. I don't know anyone with it. Mm. According to NAMI, again, these are U.S. <laughs> stats, but it, it's what I have access to easily. Uh, one in five Americans suffer from some form of mental health. Totally. Yeah, I, I would 100% believe it. And I would say that it's probably a very similar statistic in Canada. Yeah. And so to, to say that nobody in my circle, my family, whoever, you're lying to yourself. Uh <laughs> Sorry to say, yeah. you're lying. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's foolish to to think, you know, it's not closer to you than it is, and and I couldn't agree more. Like just getting a better understanding that it's it's in your circle and and uh, those that aren't struggling, we can we can totally do better. We can do better about talking and reaching out to those people. And um, another thing, I mean, I've been seeing. I think it's becoming a bit more popular for people to be open about it on social media. I mean, like celebrities years ago would have never talked about having a bad day, having a down day, having a day where they sat and compared themselves to a hundred other artists or a hundred other celebrities on social media. But you see these, these people who are actually just people and, you know, we put them on this pedestal and, and they're, and they're saying they're struggling with the same thing as well. So I think having a bit of like a disassociation from the keeping up with the Joneses aspect to social media and actually reading that it's just a way to connect with people who are going through the same thing. I think it's yeah. important to recognize that every post, every Instagram pic, every TikTok, every song has a human behind it that could be going through the exact same thing as you, maybe in a different you know, way. I mean, we talk about how mental health, no mental health is the same for everybody, but they're struggling with something that they're afraid to talk about. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I've, I said, I learned that a long time ago. So, you know, I've been doing music journalism. I I told you for like 17 years or whatever. And very early on, 
the easy thing to do is put every artist on a pedestal and celebrity in general, you know, whether they're a movie star or whatever. But then I, you know, through having conversations with artists, I'm like, you know, they're just fucking people, you know, they, they have bad news too and it's okay. And they, you know, they don't like when the McRib isn't available at McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're they're people. Has mellers, beautiful house, um, and just is seemingly on top of the world can struggle with it. Why can't my neighbor struggle with it? Yeah. Yeah, and 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 it also goes to show uh that fame success money all of it doesn't mean anything that uh if you're not well then you're not well and you can't look for for a solution or an answer in things or money or statistics or numbers that that feeling you're feeling inside has to come from you and uh the only person that can that can really help that is you making that decision to to want to want to get better you know, nobody can make that decision for you. Nobody can give you something that's going to fix it. It it ultimately has to come from you first. Yeah, for sure. You know, I think that goes on kind of both sides of the topic that we've, we've been on here is for anyone struggling with mental illness or mental health issues, you know, you have to decide that I do want to be here. And there are a million reasons to want to be here. Oh, yeah. Um but on the, the flip side, you know, we've, we've talked about, you know, living after someone has committed suicide, um, especially someone close to you. At some point, and you kind of alluded to it earlier, at some point you have to make that, that decision for yourself that, you know, I, I hate that it happened, but I have to be able to live my life. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I completely agree. And uh, it, it comes back around to that, you know, when you were saying it takes such a huge leap of strength and so much admiration for somebody that does check themselves into those, those facilities. I mean, that is really such an admirable thing for somebody to do that is struggling um, when it doesn't feel like it's important or when you're a burden and you're already feeling that way i think it's incredible for those that that do do that yeah absolutely agree um obviously i i preface every episode of this uh, podcast with the fact that we are not mental health professionals we're not (laughs) we Uh, have no idea what we're talking about (laughs) we don't in the professional sense but personal experience personal experiences we've both kind of seen some shit so um, and 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 you're right like back to also the doctor practicing i mean they only know what they see every day as well and and we only know what we've seen in our personal experiences and no two experiences are the same and uh anything that may have helped me get through my you know loss to suicide maybe would have never worked for you and vice versa and anything a doctor would have said would have never worked but you just never know 
I'm actually glad you did that because that was the segue I was getting to. Uh, <laughs> what are some some tips maybe that you can give people? Or, uh, tips may be a bad word for it, but what are a few <laughs> things that, that you did after that loss? You know, we've kind of discussed a couple of them on Instagram. Um, yeah. But what are some things that you did after that loss that started to bring that healing and, and maybe a little bit of peace and comfort around that? I think there were a few things. Um, definitely letting those, I know they say it's five stages. It feels like 25 stages mm -hmm. of grief. Um, but l actually just letting yourself go through them, letting yourself be mad, letting yourself feel guilty and sad and remorseful and, and uh, crying. God, I wish, <laughs> I wish I hadn't have held back tears when I was in public. I wish I had just fell to the ground and, and cried more. Um, and now when, I feel crying, come on, I never choke back a tear. I always let myself just sob in silence. <laughs> um, you know, that's just really important to me to let that happen. And I'll never forget somebody saying to me, enjoy the hurt as long as you can, because it's the closest you'll feel to somebody that you've lost. That when, when you don't hurt anymore, you know, that, that closeness is over and, and you really hurt for somebody because you love them so much. You're sad. You're, you're, you know, horrified that they're gone. So that pain is a reminder of how much you really cared about that person in your life. And, uh, I think somebody actually said it to me years ago and I always thought it was like, Oh, I lost my dog. Like it hurts so much. And I'm so sad. And I'm so glad I'm sad. Cause I, you know, no, it means nothing until, you know, you lose a precious right. human being <laughs> And I will be forever grateful for how much I hurt uh, that Elizabeth is no longer here because it means that 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 love we had for each other as as friends and as you know people who love to do everything together that was real that was absolutely real shit. Yeah, yeah, and you know one of the things shortly after you lost Elizabeth that you and I kind of talked about on Instagram is. Um, something that that I did and you said that you had experienced the same is in that anger stage it is absolutely okay to fucking yell at the person yes they're gone it is fine to get these emotions out to your point about crying and, and whatever like regardless of what the emotion is get it out there put it into the universe and you know I I think for me I I can't tell you even now three and a half years roughly since losing my brother there are still nights that i will absolutely yell at him in the car or you know a song will come on and i'm like why the fuck aren't you here you know like yeah. it's okay to have those feelings and it it does mean that it was real you know obviously with mine being my brother it's different than than a friend in some ways but you know the the sappy stupid ass cliche that you know friends or family that we choose is very true oh yeah like, we chose to let these people be in our lives so you absolutely should hurt for those that you lose yeah no i i completely agree and it's uh i mean the same with family <laughs> you could have a family member you don't you don't hurt for but it's just a reminder that you really care about that person i think another thing um back to the music you were talking about and I even to this moment I love to put on a, a song 
this is probably so embarrassing and I just don't even care anymore because you know whatever but um I'll put on a song that feels like my own personal movie and I'll go through Polaroids and I'll cry and I'll pretend like somebody's watching me in a movie and this is just my like my my uh my down moment and it's good uh to maybe it's a way of coping to feel like it's not my life and it's somebody else's life that I'm looking into um but it's a good thing to just cry and listen to music and uh feel close to that person at least in my experience yeah and I would agree I mean you know music there's a reason that that they actually use music for therapy um in certain instances and and things like that but music has this insane ability to heal and remind us of of old times and good times and bad times and your mind just hello you know flipping through polaroids and stuff Hello. Maddie. Hello. Can you hear me? Oh, no. I'm like getting every like so and so word coming in. Okay, hang on. Oh, and there. Am I hearing you? I hear you. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Technology sucks. Um, (laughs) It does. No, but I I think to your point, you know, uh, with music and and the connections that we tie to it, you know, maybe it is a little bit of like disassociation to sit and flip through photos and, and view it as a movie or whatever. But at the same time, like, it gives you that outside perspective to look at it and say, it's okay that I'm hurting. I, I am healing by doing these things and I'm yeah. able to move forward. Yeah. Recognizing that that shit sucks and you don't always have to be that tough. <laughs> you yeah. can cry. And that was, that was my whole point last year that um, it's actually okay to not be okay. And I will live by that till the moment I die. We don't, we don't have to be strong if we don't want to be or pretend to be, you know, happy when we're not, I think just be honest to how you're feeling and know that you're human and you're allowed to do that. Yeah. And that, that's exactly the way I wanted to say that is be honest with about how you're feeling. And I, I say everyone that's listening to this, whether you're, you know, struggling with, with mental health issues right now, or you're a survivor of, of suicide and, whatever it is it's okay sometimes to just say look i'm not in a good place i i can't go to this social event you know like i just can't be there or you know hey i need someone to go on a car ride with me right now just because i have to get out of my house yeah yeah i think uh i think it maybe it comes back to the way that our north american society and i don't want to just say that north america is the only one that struggles with mental health but I think as a society we are a very go 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 run over those that are left in the street type of you know culture and even with the way that 
work is, you know, you're scrutinized if you take a day off for not feeling well. We're literally hardwired to stuff it under the rug and pretend like nothing's wrong. And we need to, we need to stop that because we're going to, we're going to start losing people faster than we want to. And we need to, we need to be honest with how we're feeling and we need to recognize that it's totally okay to feel that way. Yeah. And the scary thing about potentially losing people faster than we already are is uh, I actually had this infographic pulled up already. Uh, (laughs) Suicide, the overall suicide rate has increased in North America or, you know, I'll say the U.S. because I think that's primarily where NAMI gets its numbers. Thirty-five uh, percent increase over since 1999. So over the last 20 wow. years, it's increased by 35 percent. That's ridiculous. And and with the way you know, I mean, I hate bringing up COVID in conversations because I'm so done talking about it. But I think it has affected people as well. You know, this yeah. isolation has. Um, it's either triggered PTSD for people. It has made PTSD worse. It's, you know, trauma. It's affecting people in ways that, you know, a lot of us can't imagine. And the isolation is is just terrible for us. And I think that number is going to keep rising if we don't do something to stop it or if we don't at least keep talking about it. Yeah, I, I a million percent agree with that. And, you know, as someone that had COVID and almost died from it, uh, I can fully yeah. attest to... <laughs> to the impact on like obviously my case with covid was much much different but i spent 46 days in the hospital and you know i was surrounded by nurses and doctors every day and like my sister and and some family and friends came down and things like that but you're you're in a room by yourself the majority of the day you know there's only so much ridiculousness that you can watch before you start getting in your head totally Uh, and And, you know it's just terrible like my my dad ended up in the hospital just for uh, another health reason he was there for a week so it had nothing to do with even covid nobody could come visit him because of the covid regulations here i can't imagine what the fear is having covid i mean you know not wanting to spread it having to be isolated for you know disease control issues like that messes with you in so many ways and then the those that haven't had covid and the fear of getting COVID, that can affect you mentally and that can eat you up inside. Like it's just, it's hurting us in so many ways that is like beyond the virus hurting you. It's it's really affecting people mentally as well, you know? Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And that's why I've said, you know, not not that I'm uh, endorsing meeting strangers online or whatever, but <laughs> uh, I, I think it's important for people to, to realize that, you know, if, so I do a lot of work with heart support, for example, and they've got a uh, community forum and it's all anonymous and everything. But if, if you go on there and tell your story and someone connects with it, it's okay that you don't know that person. If, if they're able to help you or, you know, somehow you guys are are benefiting each other or whatever like you don't always have to find help through your close you know family and friends yeah it can be outside sources yeah and i think it's it's opening up communication to people we would have never had the opportunity to communicate with before either i mean yeah 
it's forcing us to make friends in, in different cities. And I've got people now in Europe that when all of this blows over, I can't wait to come see and, and you and I would have probably, it would have been harder to connect maybe, but yeah, probably. I think, yeah, yeah it's, it's great. I think, you know, hopefully uh, we'll kind of upswing this uh, at the tail end here. Um, <laughs> you know, hopefully it looks like for the, knock on wood for the most part it looks like COVID is starting to be a little more manageable maybe not under yeah. control but more manageable um there's a lot of breakthroughs obviously i'm not a doctor but i've seen you know like pfizer has a pill now that they think is yeah. going to help with some of this and there's so much potential that things are going to get better which is obviously the hope and you as a musician that means potentially opening the world back up to touring and, you know, getting out to see fans and things like that. Yeah. And, and uh, chasing the dreams. I know a lot of people have had to put their dreams on hold for this last year. And I think it's, it's probably tough for those people who uh, their dreams have had to go on hold. When you see the other people that have like had this thriving year and you're like, what the hell, you know, COVID was the worst in your final life. <laughs> How are you doing so well? Um, but I think, you know, all these people, it's their time to shine. And I'm so, I'm so excited. I, you know, I'm also just as hopeful as you are that with uh, all these amazing scientific breakthroughs and, and uh, with hopefully numbers continuing to go down, we'll get back to a bit more of a sense of normal and yeah. people can, can find that, that happiness in that life again. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I do want to touch on a few things as, as we, you know, close out here. Uh, and I think they're happier things. Uh, <laughs> so number one, um, your partner has been receiving his stem cell treatments and it looks like that's yes. super well. Yes, he has. It's, it's been great. We actually just came back. Uh, I want to say almost two weeks ago now from his third round, they have re-diagnosed him. So he is no longer a T6 complete, but he, he's a T10 complete. So he now has like some abdominal control. He's able to, you know, kneel with arm support and, and uh, all these amazing things that were never possible. And that was um, based off of the first two rounds because um, they re-diagnosed him just as he was getting his third round. And it takes about a month to kick in. And then after he's done everything, uh, so we'll go in January for his last round, which is so bittersweet because it's already been a year since we fundraised the money, which is so crazy to think about. Right. Um, but it'll be another year after his last treatment that the stem cells will continue to work. So I am very hopeful that we're going to get that man back on his feet and, and toe tapping in no time. <laughs> yeah, it, it's been incredible to see just in the, the amount of time that I've known you and, and seen kind of the progression. Um, because last time we talked, it I think you guys had just finished uh, fundraising and we're just getting ready to, to head out. Um, oh my gosh. Was it that long ago? Yeah, That's so, so crazy. It feels like just a couple months ago. Oh, it's been so long, Maddie. <laughs> <gasps> Where is my time gone? <laughs> yeah, no, it's, um, and I don't mean that in a bad way at all. Like, obviously it's super, super awesome because, you know, things are looking up. Um, I'm scrolling back to see when we talked, but uh, number two thing that I wanted to touch on while I look up that is you released a Christmas song. I did. And it's funny that we're talking about mental health because it kind of ties a little bit into it. My friend and I, that we wrote it together, um, you know, 
I am such an optimistic. I'm such a big bubbly. The grass is, you know, greener on both sides. Why can't you see it that way? Um, and I freaking love Christmas. I love it. I think it's a, one of my favorite times of year. The songs feel good. The movies always have a happy ending. And every single cookie is decorated in sugar and colors. And I could not complain about a single thing. But I think for a lot of people, it's a really depressing time you know? Yeah. And I, I think I've sometimes my holiday spirit bulldozes over anybody else's opinion. And I, I totally fail to see that not everybody loves the, the holidays. And my friend Lucas reminded me, he's like, you know, some people, some people have different holidays. Some people have, you know, realistically four Christmases that they need to show up to and, and people are pulling them this way and that way and wanting that and needing this and not enough money to do it. And, and that sometimes my favorite Christmas is just being at home by myself. And so we kind of, we made it a bit cheeky. We made it a bit goofy and, you know, my parts are very optimistic and bubblegum because obviously that's who I am. And his parts are very like, thank God this person's not here and there's no screaming kids. And, you know, my hammered Aunt Irene isn't here and it's, uh, it's pretty cute, but it's definitely got that cheesy Christmas vibe. It's the perfect year to release a Christmas song about being at home by choice. <laughs> so I think, yeah, it's, it's really cute, but it's on all streaming platforms. Yeah. Um, so looking it up, uh, the episode went live on January 6th that you... Oh my it. gosh, I can't believe it's that long ago. <laughs> yeah, it's been forever, and that was <gasps> three weeks, almost three weeks uh, before I got COVID. I was diagnosed with COVID. I went into the hospital on January 28th. Right, so, right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Crazy. That it's been I can't believe that. Yeah, it, it's nuts, but... Um, the last thing I wanted to touch on uh, for you as we wrap up this episode, let's talk about Poco Candles. Poco Candles. Oh, <laughs> my little candle love child of this year. Um, I actually started making them as my partner and I years like couple a year and a half ago we wanted to do something a bit more creative. I love to bake. He, you know, him and my brother are always talking about you should go become a baker. You should go try this try that and um I said well you know it's, it's hard to become a baker and there's not a lot of money in it not that there's a lot of money in music or making candles either <laughs> but you know obviously that was my motivation at the time um but it, it's uh you know the food safe is always hard and um so we kind of sat on it and then a girl in our community started making candles and my partner said well why do you why do you chase it why don't we do something and so last spring started experimenting with some candles and and different containers and different waxes and I got really into it like finding the best wax I mean like we read about all the types of waxes all the types of fragrance oils and essential oils that you can use and containers and we wanted to create something that was safe but you know kind of cute as well and then um we were like kind of getting ready to make these candles and launch and then my friend passed uh, and like I said she had kind of pulled away end of April, I actually never got to share it with her, which is unfortunate. Uh, it's a big regret of my life because she was the one I shared everything with, um, which is why we ended up coming up with The Lost in the Forest, which is a citrus evergreen uh, pine sort of smelling candle. It really smells like getting lost in the forest and proceeds go to Crisis Service Canada to help 
um, you know, educate those on uh, suicide prevention and, and uh, bring awareness to the communities across Canada. Um, and then we launched in the summer and we pretty much sold out of our loss in the forest within like a month, which is crazy. And we are finally starting to get them back on our shelves. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, it was, it was funny. I showed you at the beginning of this that like, and it wasn't just because it was you as a guest. I was, <laughs> I was actually birding lost in the forest. Um, I did two of the flights and like I told you earlier, it, literally every one of them and honestly, the one, I have to find it, hang on. The one that I was a little worried about was August Fog. <gasps> I don't know if I'm going to like, you know, it's a sweet watermelon, uh, bergamot, and warm vanilla. And I was like, well, you know, if it's too much watermelon for me or whatever. Yeah. And once I started burning it, I'm like, no, that is, wow. Like It, it smells so, so good on. to me. I know. It's like, it's like a summer London fog. I wanted yeah. like our take on a nice warm cozy drink because I'm all about cozy I my least favorite time of year is summer I hate sweating I hate the heat I would if I could cozy up on a, by a fire and look at the snow all year round I would I was like okay well what's something that's like kind of summery but still really cozy and uh it's probably my favorite candle besides lost in the forest uh I just I love it so much I think it smells very comforting yeah yeah I, I totally agree and like I said it was the one that I was the most nervous about out of my flights, but I would say it's probably either number two or number three for me as well. I love hearing that. I'm going to, I'm going to get you to write a little testimonial. <laughs> I definitely will. So um, I think that's everything I've got, Maddie. I am so glad that we did this talk and I, you know, really. Oh, me too. Being, yeah. I really appreciate you being open and, and transparent. Oh yeah. I mean, I always worry about talking about it because I know it is such a personal thing for so many people and I'm fearful that what I say somebody will say is not accurate but you know there's a reminder of it's no two are the same and uh, hopefully hopefully something I say or something you say is going to speak to somebody out there that's either struggling or know somebody who's struggling or has just lost someone and um, the more you talk about it the more you can help and it's never it's never a bad time to talk about mental health. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And, you know, like I, I told my friend, I'm actually going to read the, the text verbatim. Uh, <laughs> so told her that, you know, you and I were going to have this conversation. And she says, um, that sounds horribly sad and depressing. And I was like, well, thanks, <laughs> I guess. Uh, and she's like, no, I'm not trying to offend. I just don't know that I could talk about it for that long. And I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm not offended by any means. Um, but it, it made me think of, there's a song by Bayside in which he says, I'm the voice of the depressed. At least that's what everyone expects. And I was like, you know, that, that lyric is me because if I'm, out here having these conversations for talking about mental health and as a, a person that has struggled with depression most of my life if I can be the voice because so many others won't talk about it then I'm I'm doing my my own justice you know I'm hopefully shedding light and providing a light to people that they can look at it and go okay it maybe it is okay for me to talk about maybe it's okay for me to to open up a little bit yeah no I, I i couldn't agree more and hopefully those that are strong enough to do it are going to continue to inspire those 
who don't feel like they are yet. And uh, it's people like you that inspire me to keep talking about it. So thank you for constantly sharing your story. I think it's important to keep communicating with those that have, you know, not necessarily like similar stories, but they have lost somebody to something like this or, you know, have struggled with their own mental health. And I think it's important to stick together. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you emphasizing the yet part, I think is super important too. It, you know, goes back to quickly goes back to your, um, you know, it's, it's okay to not be okay, but I think yet should be on the end of that. And I don't yes. mean that everyone is going to heal <laughs> immediately or anything, but you know, it's okay to not be okay yet. It takes yeah. time. At some point you're going to come to terms with things and you're going to be able to, you know, cope with them in a healthy manner and be able to, to really thrive in your own life. Yeah. No, I, I couldn't agree more. I think yet needs to be emphasized. Next time I sing uh, best part of me, it's okay to not be okay yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be my new one. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, Maddie. I appreciate it so much. Uh, this will actually be going up, I believe next week. Amazing. Yeah. So this is going to go live on the 15th. Um, and then we'll take, you know, a couple week break getting into December. So I'm doing the first and third Mondays of uh, each month. So um, this will be up in time for people to listen to it before the holidays and, and amazing, you know, be able to, to say that, you know, it, we've lost someone because I think everyone can say that they've lost someone. Yes. And, you know, it's, I made the comment to somebody the other day that I try not to say that I'm just spreading mental health awareness anymore because I feel like awareness means that we're just talking about it and it's time to, to do something actionable about it. Um, yeah. Which is where this podcast is, you know, in, in that action arena of it's okay to just spout the numbers, but I want to be an impact. And I think, you know, it's so easy for anyone to be that impact, whether it's you or, you know, Joe Bob Jimmy over at, at the corner, <laughs> just to say, you know, hey, how's it going? You know, you everything all right in your life? Or, you know, is there something I can help you with? Whatever. And, and truly mean it. It's going to impact people. And we're going to create a society where people understand that they can talk about it and, and heal from it. Yeah. No, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And I, I definitely want to get better at saying talking about it and be better about doing more about it if that makes sense yeah absolutely you awesome. inspire me josh Ugh, I, I don't I know try. what to say <laughs> uh, it's really hard for me to take a compliment i'm kind of like you in that sense so yeah uh, you know i don't know what to say about that but it's okay i'm uh, blushing <laughs> for you so don't even okay. worry about it <laughs> um no, I, I, again, I appreciate it so much, Maddie. And, you know, obviously I'm going to do anything I can to support you and, and, oh, well, thank and you. all that. So. No, I'm, I'm really grateful that you reached out to me. I know this is an emotional thing and, and a personal thing. So I feel honored that you wanted to hear what I had to say. I mean, I don't know what I'm doing. I just know how I feel. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you so much for always supporting and, and uh, not just me, but, you know, so many other musicians, it is tough. So I really appreciate everything that you do, Josh. Absolutely, Maddie. I appreciate it so much. And we'll talk soon. Okay. Amazing. You enjoy your night, I guess now. <laughs> yeah, 
it's seven thirty. It's dinner time. It's fine. Okay, go get yourself some grub. <laughs> All right. Okay. We'll talk soon. Bye. Bye. And that was my conversation with Madison Olds, um, my friend Maddie. Um, huge, huge thank you for her talking about that and being open and honest and and very transparent with her feelings and emotions and the things that she's gone through. Um, since losing someone so close to her as well. Um, I really hope that you guys took something away from that. You know, it's not a comfortable conversation for a lot of people to have. And I think there's potentially a lot of people listening to this that don't want to have those conversations yet, you know. Um, And that's totally fine. But at the same point, there's going to be a time in your life that you feel this need to share those stories and and tell people what things were like, you know, what it's been like since that person's left and, you know, just how you've dealt with things. And, you know, there's a certain amount of healing and comfort in those conversations. Um, As always, definitely check out Madison Olds, Uh, I've got her social medias linked in the description of this podcast. Um, Jump over. She's super active on Instagram, especially, and TikTok. So jump over, give her a follow, um, leave comments, let her know, you know, that you listen to the episode, that you're checking out her her music, and just kind of her her adventure, really, um, you know, between TikTok and Instagram and music and poco candles um you know she's got a lot going on and she's an inspiration to me as well you know to just keep pushing forward and you know take on some some things that maybe i didn't think i was prepared for or that maybe i just didn't think i had time for um poco candles i want to throw out you know again i get zero kickbacks or anything like that from them um i just honestly love the the candles that i've gotten um and i want you guys to check them out as well um it is madison's kind of side project uh like we talked about there towards the end of the the conversation um some of my favorites are lost in the forest august fog Monday morning. Um, she's got a campfire kiss, a mom's kitchen, fresh linen, uh, and a few more. Uh, those are just the six that I personally got. Um, love all of them. So, you know, they're really kind of spot on for what you expect. And I've found that, you know, aromatherapy is a, a thing uh it's not something i've delved too deep into or anything like that but i have found that there are times that just putting on a candle and you know getting lost in music or whatever is is a therapy in itself and sometimes it's it's really nice to have these candles and um be able to support a friend as well so go check them out um 
definitely let Maddie know if you're checking them out because of this podcast. Uh, you know, drop a, a comment and just say, hey, heard about you on Musicians for Mental Health and wanted to check it out. Uh, that's everything I've got for you guys this week. So um, I just want to give you the reminder, you know, it's going to be a couple weeks before the next episode. So uh, Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving is going to happen. So have a safe holiday, um, you know, be with those that you love. Make sure you're reaching out um, to those that, that you care about and things like that. Uh, and then we will kick back off in December for uh, the next episode. So uh, remember, guys, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and you make the scene. <laughs>